All right. Um, we are uh, going to finish tonight with the the unique nature of the Bible. What makes the Bible unique? And then Sunday, uh, this, this Sunday, and then a week from today, we're going to talk about uh, how we got our translations. Where did the Bible come from? How, how did all? What was that process? Um, and I think it'll be a faith builder, really. So no matter where you stand on that spectrum of belief, I, I think the uh, translation, the history of all of that, uh, I think will be good. I think it'll be good for all of us. Then after that, uh, for about well, maybe three weeks, two or three weeks, I'll go back out to the auditorium on Sunday, well, Sunday, Wednesday. Rick, the two Ricks will be back here. Rick Moore will do one. Rick Watling will do one week. And then Rick Moore do the third week. And then I'll be back. Kind of, kind of a thing. So be sure and keep your uh, folders, and they'll have handouts uh, for you as well. Uh, let's turn real quickly at kind of an introduction to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, 34 through 39. And just a little bit of the context. We'll talk about context during the, uh, uh, pro this process of the class and what that means. We might even, I think we might even touch a little bit on tonight if we have time, but... Acts chapter uh, 5. Remember that the uh, apostles had, uh, Peter and John particularly had uh, healed a lame man at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 4, they were arrested. Remember that? And then, of course, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. But at the end of Acts chapter 5, toward the end, they were in prison and um, God let them out. Miraculously, Remember that? They were chained between soldiers. And how God does all of that, that's His business. Um, let all the gates open and the men, the guards, uh, never woke up. The doors were still shut. Remember that story. So, where did the apostles go immediately after that? They probably left town. That's probably what I would have done. You know? No, they didn't leave town at all. They went down the street to the temple, and they said, you're not, not going to believe these crazy guys. Uh, we went to get them this morning. They're gone. The, ch the shackles are still there. The guards are still there. The doors are still closed. We don't know how they got out. And of all things, they're teaching down the street at the temple. So they arrested them again. And they're debating on what they're going to do. What are we going to do with these guys? Are we going to kill them? Are going to beat them? They ended up beating them, but uh, kill them or... Uh, and there was some good advice here by a man named Gamaliel. Gamaliel, and I think this is a good, <clears throat> uh, good basis of of uh, how the Bible got to be preserved over these thousands of years. Who are we dealing with? Number one, um, look at Acts chapter five, verses. I'll read these. And I'm going to have you all read some later. In verse 34, Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people. <clears throat> and this is not a Christian. He didn't even claim to be. Uh, probably a Jewish, and, and uh, I guess a religious fellow appears to be, and commanded them to put the apostles outside. Here's the apostles. Put them outside. We've we got to talk about these guys. We don't want them to hear. And I'm going to read it all, but he goes on to say, uh, there, there have been imposters before. 
There have been imposters before, and how did they end up? These two, two examples. They didn't amount to anything. In fact, the imposters were killed. So he said, if it's from men, don't worry about it. It's not going to work anyway. And now I say to you, keep away from these men uh, and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. Verse 39, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you be even found to fight against God. And they agreed on that and so on. So I think it's a good, a good basis of, of our study of this. How we got the Bible, translations of the Bible, how to study the Bible, how was the Bible preserved. We're going to look at these, these prophecies here uh, in a little bit. Probably the rest of the class period after we make a few, a few points. Um, but if it comes from God, who, all, who, is, who has tried in the past to? Did the Romans try to do away with Christianity? Did they try to do away with all the literature, the written literature? Yes. How'd that work? It spread like fire. It was, it was converted into 22 different known languages at that time, copy after copy. Um, and one thing that the early uh, scribes and writers decided, instead of making a few a few uh, expensive copies, maybe on vellum, you know, the skin of a young young animals that last were last longer than papyrus paper. Um, they started making just a bunch of cheap copies. Willis overwhelmed these Romans with so many copies of the New Testament, they can't get them all. Whereas if you had just a few expensive copies, it'd be much easier to get rid of. So the Romans tried. Um, the Catholic Church tried. It's just history. Uh, did, did it not? To do away with all... You, you can't know the Scriptures. Only, only the, the uh, priest could understand that. That's why I was in Latin. A lot of it. How many people speak Latin? I took two years of Latin in high school. What a wasted two years. <laughs> I could have taken whatever and been come out ahead on that. But uh, Latin. Latin. That, that's wonderful. Um, so uh, all a lot of powers over the millennia have tried their best to stamp out Christianity. There are people like Martin Luther and all these these uh, Reformationists that lost their lives over translating the Bible into languages that that, uh, that we could understand, the people then could understand, and lost their lives. Many of them did. Um, how has that worked to 2019? Billions and billions of copies of the Bible. They're in every hotel room. They used to be. I, they probably have taken that out now because it's illegal. The, you know, remember the Gideons and all, you know, who that, you know, all that in there, the bedstead, by, you know, by your bed, all that. It, it hasn't worked because, like he told, Gamega told the council, if this is from God, and it is, <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So with that kind of a, a background in mind, um, we, we just real quickly, if you can uh, sum that up in about three or four minutes, 
We talked about the unique, unique nature of the Bible. And you all came up with these, and, and, and I think it's really good. The basis of almost every civilization, certainly ours, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all of those things, based on the Bible. Our civil laws are based on the Bible. Um, what about science? Every time they discover something historical, thousands of years old, does it um, corroborate the Bible or does it contradict the Bible? It corroborates every single time. It's cohesive. We're going to talk about this tonight, right over here. Cohesive. It's it's a it's a message. It, you you know you couldn't get a bunch of people in a room uh, and come up with anything cohesive. We can't agree that you know today's Wednesday with the way we're divided and fractured in this world. Um, prophetic historicity. I like that word. Did you write that? <laughs> I like that. I just said prophetic history. Historicity, that, that's a real word. We're, we're, going to, we're going to look at this right here. And a lot of you know this already, but if you don't, this is going to, this is going to be a, a, an eye-opener. Um, consistency of the manuscripts, of all the manuscripts that have been found, 99.5% uh, of it is consistent with every other manuscript. Now, how did all that happen? Accidentally? No, you can't even get close to an accident. Um, and there are others, but the Bible is very, very unique. It's the number one bestseller of all time. Number two is not even in the rearview mirror. It's not even close. Um, have you ever thought about this? <clears throat> Why would, if, if this was a, a, a hoax in the first century, why would 12 apostles who ate with Jesus, lived with Jesus, saw all these things happen to Jesus, when He was killed, if He did not see the resurrected Lord, if I'm one of those 12, I'm heading for the Caribbean or somewhere. Why don't you just go back to where you were? They couldn't. They saw the real. Well, why would people, even over the last 2,000 years, go to the stake? By the thousands. Why did New Testament Christians in 95, some 60 years after Jesus was born, when the Romans were using Christians as light posts to light the Appian Way on both sides of the road? When they were slicing uh, Christians and their families open and putting grain in their bellies so the cattle could eat the grain. Of course, they would eat the other stuff too, so it was a slogan. Why would anybody do that? Answer is they wouldn't. If it wasn't true. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make no sense. Um, I think that's a, a case to be made for uh, the accuracy of the Bible and this, this historical Jesus. And, and you remember, our, our, some of you maybe weren't here, but um, in AD 93, <clears throat> the agnostic, atheist, Roman historian, nothing to do with, him, with, with, with Jesus, said, uh, quoted, they found this fragment, James, the brother of Jesus, the so-called Christ. Of course, he didn't believe it, but he knew James. 
who was a brother of Jesus. This guy actually lived. This is not some fable. In AD 113, this same writer said, Jesus executed while Pontius Pilate was the prefect in, the, in, the char in charge of Judea. That was in 113. This, uh, this uh, Josephus, who had no respect for, for Christianity. And then the Pliny, Pliny the Elder, look at Dom there, he said, now was that Pliny the Elder or Pliny the Younger? We'll go with the Elder. He said, Christianity, a destructive superstition. So that's how it was viewed at that time by the unbelievers. But the point being, they recognized there was a Christ. They were recognized that He lived, that He had family, um, and they derided it, and they called it superstition. Do people do that today? They do. Until they die. And then it's not good. But people do that today. We're, we're made fun of. And we will be as long as we live. Now what did Jesus say? Is the, spirit above, uh, is, the, uh, is the servant above his master? They did it to me. Get used to it. They won't do it to you. Just the way it is. Alright, so we, we saw real quickly, we saw <clears throat> 40 different writers. Now what was the occupation of some of these writers? And then I'm going to jump right into this. Tax collector. Tax collector. Fisherman. Fisherman. Physician. A doctor. A physician. Lawyers. Scribes. Shepherds. So these were men from all different all different backgrounds. They, they came from all different cities. Um, it's interesting that, I never thought about this before, this is not my original thought, but uh, in Acts, Luke mentions 32 different countries, 54 different cities, nine different Mediterranean islands, uh, 95 people, different people, 62 of which are never mentioned again in the New Testament. That's, that's remarkable to me. How did all that happen? There has to be a mastermind behind all of this. There has to be. And there is. Now, just real quickly, um, somebody, Don, turn to Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. I want you to read that. Uh, Job 12, uh, Carol, can you turn to Job 12, 7 through 10? Job 12, 7 through 10. Um, Brad Winkler, can you do Psalms 95, 4 through 5? Psalms 95, 4 through 5. And then. Jim, can you do Romans 1 and verse 20? Romans 1 and verse 20. If you can't turn all of them, just listen real closely. But this is who we're dealing with. How did all this happen? Because of the power of this personality right here that we call God. Okay, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, Don. It's not on the board, by the way. 55, 8 Verses 8 and 9. Listen closely. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Meaning, who are we dealing with? Somebody a whole lot bigger than we are. 
who mm -hmm. thinks on a different plane than we do, um, and whose ways are on a different wavelength and a different plateau than we are. That's, God, that's who we're dealing with, God. And that, that will help explain this stuff. Job 12, 7 through 10. Who did I say? That's me. Okay. But now ask the beasts and let them teach you, and the birds of the heavens and let them tell you, or speak to the earth and let it teach you, and let the fish of the sea declare to you, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Does not the ear test words as the palate taste its food? Wisdom with aged men with long life is understanding. That, I love that. He says, okay, maybe you don't believe in me, so to speak. Let the beast talk to you. And Carol, what was the other one? Let the beast talk the to fish. you. Let the fish talk to you. Now we know fish don't talk. Uh, let the, what else Carol? Let the birds sing to you. And then what was the last one? The earth. Let the earth talk to you. Now, we know none of that's going to happen, literally. What is that, what is that saying? Somebody who had it all together is a lot smarter than we are. No doubt. Now, what, when you look around, when you look around and you look at the complexities of the fish, the complexities of the birds, the different colors, how they live, how, how do they know to fly 2,000 miles? Uh, to what, what guides them that 2,000 miles? The swallows from Capistrano, like I understand that. But I love to read about things like that. Uh, I, God says, if you don't, at least look around, people. At least look around. The complexities of all of that. Now, I just saw something not long ago where they found this, I'm going to use the word fish, I guess that's going to be. He was in the, one of the deepest parts of the ocean. Now, you can't get a submarine much over before it becomes a, 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 a can crush much more over 500 feet or 1,000 feet, whatever. How's that, how's that fish living down there? Why is he not crushed? I don't know. Let the fish talk to you. And let alone looking at the complexity of the body and the DNA strands. Try, try to figure all that out. And I wish you a lot of luck doing that. So God said, if you don't, at least look at that, folks. Now, um, was that Psalms 95? No, this no. was Job. Okay, who has in Psalms 95? Okay, Brad. Is that 4 and 5? Uh-huh. In whose hands are the depths of the earth, the peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. How this all come about? God spoke it. That's who we're dealing with. And now, go ahead, Brad. I just can say you're talking about the complexity, and that's what's amazing that science is proving out more and more, and it's complex in both directions. It's complex of the universe and then down to in you know this microscopic yeah. infinity also. How many how many years does a surgeon have to go to school to be able to operate on the hand? And they still sixteen mistakes. And they still make mistakes. Sixteen years maybe to become a hand surgeon. Wow. And all 
all that just happened by an amoeba crawling out from the ocean. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, now, the Jim's going to tie it all up here in Romans 1 and verse 20. This is the New Testament. Listen closely. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's just a small verse, but it's so powerful. He's saying, you have no excuse, people. There are no excuses. You can see by the complexities of everything that's here that there has to be an intelligent being out there behind all of this. There has to be. Has to be. And, he, and he's saying, okay, you don't believe, but we can quibble over maybe one of the Greek words in the book of Acts. Okay, go ahead and quibble. But you cannot get away from I'm behind it all. And as such, he has a right to demand our obedience. If we're obedient and we do our best, all of this will make it. If we say, I'm going to do it my way. Okay. See how that works for you. I love all those passages. And I really the one Carol, Carol read, I just love that. Uh, let the bird speak to you there, big boy. <laughs> let, let the fish talk to you. Another place it says, let the trees talk to you. They're talking to, to us by their appearance and the complexities of those things. Lisa. I feel like man mistakes understanding for understanding God. Like... I happen to be around scientists often, so I, I know them well, but I feel like they think they understand something, and then therefore it's this kind of um, pride, then, oh, well, if I know how it happened, then, then God can't be in it. And I think that that's um, a lie. And um, I watched this scientist who studies all these microbes. They took a swab for some, from someone's nose. I think they could only recognize 2% of the DNA from someone's a swap and right. so they so even though we don't have all of this knowledge we still we don't know a fraction just in the last I want to say two or three years maybe five years they've discovered a, the fourth strand of DNA just discovered it and that strand if I understand it, I don't understand it but is the one that <laughs> turns on and turns off the little toggle switches so to speak of um, as you get older and you're able to fight off this and fight off that, well, naturally, over as you get older, this this strand is like a trigger. It, it triggers this so this certain thing so that you're now susceptible to these things because you're going to die. I just found that so interesting. Now, Jim's going, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, uh, it's, it's there. But you're the expert. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just quoting what I read, but in the past they said there's only, well, I mean, the strands of DNA have only been discovered in the last probably 50 years, and the complexities of all of that. Now, we've got a guy coming in March, I'll debate with anybody, in this room or any other room, with a PhD in math and science, is going to hold us a meeting, Buddy Payne, we talked about that, but he's also a biblical scholar. So... Just bring whatever you need to bring or who you want to bring. He can handle it. Scientifically or any other way. Margie. 
years, you know, years, hundreds, probably hundreds of years ago, when somebody was sick, they bled them. Yeah. They took blood out of them. Right. And then, the, then I don't know if somebody read it, but anyhow, the Bible says there, life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. No, and that's 2,000 years ago or better. 2,500 probably. And leeches, how that? Now, when you get sick, did you, how about you had any leeches put on you lately? That's, all, that's 200 years ago. Uh, leeches are not good. They're good for fishing bait. Uh, you can catch uh, pike and all those things in Canada with leeches. Of course, the problem getting it on the hook, I tried that one of them, they stick to your finger. Oh, I actually did that. Uh, so I'm not much on leeches. I don't want them on uh, in Southeast Asia, you'd get leeches if you were in the, and you were wet, and you were in the the rice paddy. Sometimes you're walking here or there, you get them on your legs, and they would take cigarettes and burn them off. It's another story. Um, so, having said all of that, I want to look at this with our last few minutes. Oh, I'm sorry, Don, you had a comment. My bad. What? Well, just two things. Romans uh, one nineteen and twenty, following eighteen. The wrath of God. Right. The the whole concept of that is that you can study, but make sure you got the right conclusion. Right. When you look at earth sciences, we have come a long way by the study of earth sciences. But if you make the wrong conclusion, it takes you off on that tangent and away from God. It does. But if you make the right conclusion, it leads you to God. And as far as the animal life down there in the Marianas Trench. When you study the real closely, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the statements, you know, that, that to paraphrase, when God makes an environment, He makes an organism to put there. When He makes an organism, there will be an environment for that organism. His main thrust is earthly things and heavenly things. Right. But when you look at this earth and consider that you've got fumaroles at 400 degrees, extremely high pressure so it's not boiling, and you got these little critters running around down there. Yeah, how's that possible? How's it's that possible? not from our perspective. God made it That's right. for that environment. But you put the, not, I'm not a mathematician, but if you put the amount of pressure per square inch at 30,000 square feet of Marianas, yeah. Nothing can live. No. Oh, okay, it does. It does. It's there. Now you let me it's know and figure it out. God's <laughs> of it. Now, yeah. Real uh, on this one. It, tell me if this is true or not. Now, this is where people say, well, I can make the Bible say anything. You can. If you dishonest. All Scripture is true. Is that true? Stay. Yeah. Yes. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Oh, yeah, Scripture is true. Is all truth revealed in one verse? I like the way she boils stuff. <laughs> right on the back of her hand. <clears throat> now, I want to make my point here in a second, but that being true, now that is true. And that's the danger of picking out a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there. Standing alone, that is the truth. Not all the truth. We understand that in mathematics. We understand that in biology. Stuff you learn is true. It's not all of it. Otherwise, you start with calculus instead of basic math. It's true. It's just not all the truth. 
Um, now, heavy, I got up here, dangers. Are there dangers in that? What you thinking, Cap, on here a second? This ties into what Don was saying, what Jim said. Are there dangers there? I can I can point you to a verse. In fact, turn there now. Um, 1 Peter 3 and verse 3. Now, if I pull that totally out of its context, I can prove that it's wrong to wear clothing. That's what it says. What's it? It says, not the putting on of apparel. That's what it says. Wait a minute. What's the context? Because if I pull that out, then we're all overdressed. <laughs> but no, we're not. Please. You can pull, yeah, please. Uh, turn to 1 Timothy 2 and verse 9. Somebody read that when you get there. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 9. Here's another thing we could pull totally out of this context. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments. Okay. Any woman in here with gold, braided hair, <laughs> braided hair, <laughs> pearls, pearls. The Bible says don't do that. It does say that. What's the context? Not but. That's not your primary motivation. It's not to be seen. That's what. That's what. That's the context there. Not to be seen. Don't, don't come in like it's a fashion show. Now, dress nice, yes. Out of respect for the yes. We're not supposed to be slobs when we worship God. But your focus is not on your apparel. That's what he's talking about there, the context. So you pull anything out of context. You can make a text, take it out of context, is nothing more than a pretext. Now look that up in your, in your dictionary. That's true. I've been waiting to pull that one out a long time. It's true. Yes, ma'am. It's not only that, but they forget the... A lot of times the next verse will say, therefore, but, and, and out of context. You've got to look at the context. Uh, when you go to um, um, Ephesians, we don't have time. Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 8, talks about we're saved by grace. Is that true? Yes. We're absolutely saved by grace. If you go to James 2 and verse 24, it says you're not saved by faith only. In Romans 8, it says we're saved by hope. Well, which is it? Yes. Yes. Is, is Romans 8 true? Are we saved by hope? Yes, it is. Are we saved only by hope? No. When you put all of this together, I'm coming, Romans. When you put all of this together, it's coherent. It's cohesive. It's now it's all truth. Now it's all truth. Every one of those verses is truth. But it's not all the truth. And when you put it all together, you know, the Bible says we're uh, uh, if you believe, you'll be saved. Does it say that? Yes. Is that all it says about being saved? No. It says, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Is that true? Romans 10. That's true. 
Then he says, he explains how that's done. By a preacher who, who's, who's preaching to you and teaching you from the Word. That's how you call on the name of the Lord. And then by being obedient to what it says. That's a print Bible principle. Otherwise, this thing will make you crazy. If you just pick and choose. Roll. The second uh, statement you have there. All truth is not revealed in one verse. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 28. Yeah. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. The sum of thy word is true. You've got to have it all. You can't... I know, we got five minutes. I heard that bell, actually. All right. I was going to spend most of the time on this. What um, 750 B.C. They have found fragments, and there are things that corroborate of when this book of Isaiah was written. Um, the almost the whole book of Isaiah, I think actually the whole book of Isaiah, um, manuscripts were found not that long after it was written. In 750 B.C., in Isaiah 2, you, you want to write these down probably, because I, don't, I should have put them in your notes, I did not. Joel 2, here's how I like to remember that. Isaiah 2, Joel 2, Daniel 2, uh, uh, Daniel 2 fulfilled in Acts 2. And then I had to throw a little bit of a curve. Also, Micah 4, verses 5 and 2. Now here I'm going to synopsis, make a synopsis. I'm going to wrap this up. Right here. He's saying, 750 years before Jesus, that out of Jerusalem, my word's going to go forth. Um, Joel 2 talks about a very, very similar thing. Micah, can I get to Micah real quick? Micah 4, verses 1 and 2. It, Micah 5, and verse 2, it even says where Jesus is going to be born. How big a place is Bethlehem? Small. How big was it 750 years? Or 650? Uh, 735 years before Jesus was born is a wide spot in the road. Somebody said that this Messiah that's coming, 735 years before He comes, is going to be born in Bethlehem. How did that happen? Uh, who has Micah? You said somebody had it? Or Micah 4. I, I Doug, real quickly, I'm sorry. Uh, Lisa, you do 5 too. But Micah 4. Uh, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mount of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above all hills, and people shall flow to it. Many nations come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and they shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the word of the Lord of Jerusalem. It's got to go out of Jerusalem. What does Acts 2 say? Where did the day of Pentecost, where did the word start? In Jerusalem. How do they know that? Well, they didn't. They wrote down, Micah and Joel and those guys, wrote down not knowing exactly what this meant. They had a desire to look into this kind of stuff. But God knew. 
One day is a thousand years. A thousand years in one day. Uh, <clears throat> and then. Five and verse two. Five, I'm sorry, five and verse two, Lisa. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. God's saying 600 years before, uh, 735 years before Jesus, Bethlehem, I know you're not anything. You're, you're the smallest of all of it. Uh, it's not New York City. It's not Jerusalem. It's not going to be uh, Babylon. Some big, uh, God does things like that just to show how powerful He is. Uh, it's going to be Bethlehem. It would be like uh, uh, I don't know, Jerome or something. Some little small town. 700 years before it happened. That's where Jesus got to come from. And then Acts chapter 2, it says, Out of Jerusalem, day of Pentecost, here's Jesus. In fact, they even quote uh, Joel 2. He says, This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, talking about today. It's amazing stuff. And these are these are all verifiable by original manuscripts. This wasn't this wasn't written uh, by Jesus' apostle in a little room after Jesus died. We have manuscript evidence during these times that this was said. It, to, it, does that build your faith? It, it should. It should. Now on Sunday we'll start on translations. Make sure you read that before you come. Some of that stuff is uh, there's a lot of detail there. Put that on. We'll do that on Sunday. Thank you so much for all your good comments and for your reading.